This is Wednesday, November 18th, 2020, and welcome to episode number 228 of the WCWS Radio Network's weekly pop culture review show. This is, of course, WCWS Outside the Ropes. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you as we, get, of course, get set to give you the latest pop culture news and views courtesy of our friends at 411 Mania. Plus, also, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be bringing you tonight's uh, uh, pop culture, history, and birthdays here in the world of movies, TV, <clears throat> music, and sports. Also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, to get you prepped for tonight's episode of Revolution, we will be bringing you, of course, several little uh, wrestling stories here as well, courtesy also of 411 Mania. If you care to chime in on anything and everything we have to talk about here this evening, Please feel free, of course, to give us a call. The phone number, as always, is 1-605-562-0444. Caller ID, 141-387-POUND. And press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we have to talk about here this evening. Let's go ahead and not waste any time, ladies and gentlemen. At 6.25 p.m. Eastern Time, head over head over to 411mania.com to bring us the, that that will be providing us of course with tonight with uh, tonight's uh, pop culture news and views as always <clears throat> we do thank our friends we do thank our friends at 411mania.com once again for allowing us here in the WCWS radio network to read their stories on all of our shows of course in, of course in addition to outside the ropes of course, all as always, Revolution, Wolfpack, Raw Radio, as well as Power Hour, and also WWS this morning, among others. Let's go ahead and get started here with our first story of the evening, courtesy of Jeremy Thomas. As <clears throat> actually, it was posted yesterday, but we'll go ahead and read this. As Quentin Tarantino is releasing a novel based on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sometime next year. Many films have ended up with, with with novelizations, but few of those are actually written by the filmmaker. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is set to be the rare exception. Harper Collins has announced that they have signed a deal with Tarantino for two books, 
won a non-fiction book going deep into cinema in the 1970s, and a novelization of his Oscar-nominated love letter to the 1960s film industry, which starred Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, and, Mar and Margot Robbie. You, of course, you, on this page right here, you can see the cover art for the paperback ed edition of the book, which will be <clears throat> which will be published next summer by HarperCollins in mass market paperback, as well as ebook and in a digital audio edition. The novel will feature an extended look at, at the lives of actor Rick Dalton, who was played by the DiCaprio in the film, and his stunt double Cliff Booth, who was played by Brad Pitt in the film, charting their lives both forward and backward in time, including more detail on their time in Italy. It will introduce characters not seen in the film, such as Burt Reynolds, Pete Duell, Jim Brown, and Fred Williamson. Tarantino said the deadline in the 70s movie, movie novelizations uh, were the first adult books I grew up reading. And to this day, I have a tremendous amount of affection for the genre. So as a movie novelization aficionado, I'm proud to announce Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, my contribution to this often marginalized yet beloved sub-genre in literature. I'm also thrilled to, thrilled to further explore my characters and their world in a literary, literary endeavor that can hopefully sit alongside its cinematic counterpart. Nonfiction book will be titled Cinema Speculation and will feature a rich mix of essays, reviews, personal writing, and tantalizing what-ifs about the films of the 1970s. So we, of course, look forward, we of course look forward there to that. Our next story, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, Jeremy Thomas brought, brought brings this yesterday as well, as Kevin Williamson is saying that the fifth Scream movie will, will not be a meta-horror film. Hmm. The new Scream movie will differ from its predecessors in, a, in that it won't be focused on meta-commentary, according to franchise writer Kevin Williamson. Jo Joe Blow reports that during a charity reunion event for the first film, Williamson discussed the upcoming fifth entry and said that it would not have the meta-horror style that the first film defined and that followed through the remaining entries. Williamson said that the decision to move away from that was because it had been done repeatedly and it was time to do something for something new, though he assured that the new direction was done to honor Wes Craven's legacy. He did add the following. What I love about the new Scream is that it does take a fresh approach. It's this beautiful sort of fresh new movie. And, but it also has this nostalgic factor that runs through it. That to me was a perfect blend of how to do the next screen. So that so that was what I was that's that's what was what I was most excited about. I'm blown away by the directors. I was and I was really nervous because nobody is Wes Craven. I was really hesitant to even jump on board to be a part of it. And boy, I'm glad I did because I think it's going to, I think it's going to make Wes proud. Williamson is the executive in producing the film which is directed by Ready or Not's Matt Bettinelli-Open and Tyler Gillett from a script by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. It stars the returning Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Mark Marley Shelton, while new cast members include Dylan Minnette, Mason Gooding, Cal Kyle Gallner, Jasmine Savoy, Brown, Mikey Madison, Jack Quaid, Melissa Barrera, and Jenna Ortega. So... <clears throat> So there you have it right there, folks. 
Jeremy Thomas also posted a story yesterday about a new trailer uh, for the for the uh, for Zack Snyder's The Justice League, features actually the team as being united. A new trailer has been released for Zack Snyder's Justice League with the team coming together to fight Darkseid. HBO Max has released a new trailer for the four-part event, which, of course, is on this page if you want to check it out. The black-and-white trailer shows off new looks at the Snyder cut of the film, which will incorporate previously cut footage and four to five minutes of newly shot scenes to assemble Snyder's original vision for the film. <coughs> oh, excuse me. You can also see the color version of the trailer right here on this page as well. The event will release in four one-hour parts, which will be all, which will also be released afterward as a four-hour film. Both are expected to come to come in sometime in early next year. So definitely check that out, there, folks. Let's see here. Uh, Jeremy Thomas posted this story here yesterday as Universal reaches an agreement with Cinemark Theaters on shortened release windows. Universal Pictures plans to shorten its release windows for theatrical releases has expanded as they've reached an agreement with Cinemark Theaters. Universal and Cinemark announced on Monday that they have come, they, they have come to a multi-year agreement under which Universal Film Entertainment Group films will be shown in Cinemark Theaters in the United States. The agreement will include at least three full weekends or 17 days of exhibition for all Universal Pictures and Focus Features theatrical releases, after which the studio has the option to make the titles available across premium video-on-demand platforms. Any film that opens over $50 million or more will play exclusively in theaters for at least five full weekends, which is, of course, 31 days, before the title may become available on, uh, on PVOD. The deal comes after Universal inked a similar deal in July with AMC Theaters for pronunciated theatrical releases. While full terms of the deal are not being disclosed, Deadline reports that about 10% of PVOD revenues on each film have been set aside for exhibition, and AMC and Cinemark respectively, respectively get 15-17% to 17 of that, which is about 1-2% to, to of the total PVOD revenue. Universal century-long partnership with the exhibition is rooted in theatrical experience, and we are more committed than ever quality to experience our movies on the big screen. This was said by Donna Langley, the chairman of UFEG. Mark Zaraidi and the team at Cinemark have been outstanding partners, and Peter Levinson, vice chairman and chief, chief distribution officer of UFEG, has done a remarkable job on the studio's, studio's behalf in making deals that give us the confidence to release our movies in the marketplace, keep the content pipeline moving, and provide consumers with the optionality that they are looking for. We are extremely pleased to further enhance our strong partnership with Universal as we evolve the exclusive theatrical window. This was said by, of course, Mark Zerati, Cinemark CEO. We believe a more dynamic theatrical window whereby movie theaters continue to provide an event-sized launching platform for films that maximize box office and bolsters the success subsequent distribution channels is the shared best interest of studios, exhibitors, and most importantly, moviegoers. UFPG still has five films remaining on their 2020 schedule. And the, the Crudes, A New Age, which will be out on November 25th. Half Brothers on December the 4th. All My Life also on December the 4th. News of the World out on Christmas Day. 
and promising young women also on young woman, excuse me, also on Christmas Day as well. So we can't wait to see what that all entails. Okay. Next story here came out on Monday from Jeremy Thomas as the character Groot from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is reportedly set to appear in the next Thor movie, Thor Love and Thunder. Another Guardian of the Galaxy is reportedly set for Thor Love and Thunder in Groot. Australian Paparazzario Kobe Thatcher posted a video of Vin Diesel arriving in Sydney, Australia, where the film is, is set to be filmed at. Noting that he is set to appear in the franchise as the plant-based MCU hero. While Groot is CGI, of course, Diesel has provided both the voice and the performance capture for the character in past films. Diesel's re reported appearance comes out there as a report that Chris Pratt is reprising his role as Star-Lord in the fourth Thor film. The two will join Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, and Tessa Thompson, all reprising their roles as Thor, Jane Foster, and Valkyrie, and Christian Bale in a mystery role. Also, Takia Watiti, who is back to write and direct, will also voice Korg. The film will loosely, be, will loosely be based on the portion of Jason Aaron's Thor run, which saw Jane Foster while fighting cancer, taking on the mantle and powers of Thor. The film is set to begin production in Australia soon and is set for release on March 25th, 2022. So we can't wait to see that next installment, of course, coming out. Jeremy Thomas also posted a story on Monday, as HBO Max is is set to arrive on Amazon Fire devices tomorrow. Amazon Fire users who have been waiting for HBO Max to come to the, the, the devices rejoice. That day comes. That actually actually came out. Uh, Actually, it came out yesterday, as a matter of fact. Warner Media announced on Monday that the popular streaming service will begin rolling out on Amazon Fire TV streaming devices, Fire TV editions, smart TVs, and Fire tablets, of course, uh, yes, and it started yesterday. The awaited launch will also allow, will allow current HBO subscribers through Amazon's Prime video channels to be able to log into the HBO Max app with our Amazon credentials at no additional cost. The app will automatically update on Fire TV and Fire Tablets uh, uh, to become the HBO Max app, and customers will be able to log in using their existing HBO credentials. New customers can also subscribe to HBO Max directly in the app. All existing HBO Max customers will be able to access HBO Max through supported Fire TV and Fire Tablet devices using their existing credentials. The announcement adds one of the last remaining devices to HBO Max's availability footprint. Upon launch in May, Amazon Fire and Roku were the notable services where subscribers were left out in the cold. HBO Max has said that that availability on all platforms has been their goal. We are very excited that Amazon customers will now be able to enjoy the best in-class content that lives within HBO Max. This was said by Tony Goncalves, does that pronounce it, head of sales and distribution for Warner Media. Our continued goal is to make HBO Max and its unparalleled content available to customers across all the devices they love. Fire TV is a favorite among customers, and we look forward to working with the Amazon team to engage and grow out, grow our existing subscriber base by showcasing all that is HBO Max 
all that HBO Max has to offer. We've worked closely with HBO for many years to bring their great content to Fire TV and to make it easier to discover and enjoy with features like search integration, also the um, um, Echo Dot and personalized recommendations. Uh, this was said by Mark Witten, the Vice President of Amazon Entertainment Devices and Services. We are excited to continue that partnership with the launch of HBO Max to bring even more incredible content to customers on Fire TV. <clears throat> of course, it will. You can ask the ask it to play "Raised by Wolves," for example, if you wanted to do that. So, I will not say the name of that thing yet because it, I will automatically set it off if I do. So, my apologies there, as I actually own one of those those Echo Dot right there. Uh, let's see here. Another story came out on Monday from Jeremy Thomas as Mel Gibson was interviewed saying that the fifth Lethal Weapon movie is still in the works. A fifth entry in the Lethal Weapon franchise is still in the works according to Riggs himself, Mel Gibson. Gibson appeared on Good Morning America promoting his new film, Batman, and confirmed when asked that the long gestating fifth film is still moving towards the big screen. Yeah, no, absolutely, Gibson said when asked by Michael Strahan about it. And the man who was behind it all, behind all that, the man who brought it into the screen and gave it the goodies that it's working on right now, Richard Donner, he's a legend. Donner has directed and produced all five films in the franchise. The fifth film has been in the works for years, and producer Dan Lin noted in January that things were still moving forward, although we haven't heard anything, of course, since the pandemic started. Plot details are yet... Are are yet uh, no are aren't yet known about the film, which will reunite Gibson with Danny Glover as Briggs and Murtaugh. Donner said back in 2018 that the title was Lethal Finale, though it isn't known whether that is still the case. So we'll definitely have to be watching out for that to see if uh, if if that of course will still of course if that will still of course pop up here as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Let's bring you one more quick story here, of course, before we move ahead here. This story came out, I do believe, this, is, it can't actually, this one came out on Sunday, but I'll go ahead and, go ahead and read this. As Marvel reportedly is planning early, an early 2021 production start for the Moon Knight series. Moon Knight is coming to live action on Disney+, Plus, and a new report saying, says that filming will start early next year. Discussing film reports that Marvel Studios is looking to start filming on the show in early 2021 in Budapest after Isaac Isaac finishes filming on his HBO series, Scenes from a Marriage. The site also reports that Gregory Middleton, who was in Watchmen and Game of Thrones, will serve as cinematographer on the show with Stefina Ciela from Morbius on board as production designer. Egyptian filmmaker Mohamed Daib is directing all the episodes of the series, which is being written and developed by Jeremy Slater, who did the Umbrella Academy. Isaac is reportedly set to play the titular role, also known as Mark Spector, in the series. Spector is a former mercenary who became the mortal agent of the Egyptian, Egyptian god Khonshu after being left for dead on a mission in Egypt. He suffers from disassociative identity disorder with several alternate personalities. Moon Knight does not currently have a premiere date set as of yet. But ladies and gentlemen, that's, most, that's pretty much the majority of what's been going on here over the past several days here, of course, on 411mania.com. 
and we'll of course keep you updated on anything else of course that will be that will of course may be making the rounds here of course here very very soon now ladies and gentlemen before we go to our go to some wrestling news tidbits that are that uh, that we have lined up here for you let's go ahead and bring you of course let's go ahead and bring you of course some pop culture uh, history and birthdays here of course for uh, for for today here as well as we said of course it'll be of course in the form of movies TV as well as music and sports let's go ahead and see what we have let's see let's see let's see what we currently have of course here for today November the 18th yes okay here we go uh, we start off with movies and TV on this date in 1928 Walt Disney's Steamboat Willie was released and this was the very first Mickey Mouse sound cartoon. On this day in 1930, the musical called Smiles with Bob Hope and Fred Astaire appears in New York City. On this, and two moments happened on this day in 1932. Number one, Flowers and Trees receives first Academy Award for a cartoon. And the fifth Academy Awards, Frederick March, Frederick March and Walt Wallace Beery, and first ever tie for Best Actor for... Uh, uh, also, the movie the movie Grand Hotel, and also actress Helen Hayes also win uh, Oscars that year as well. On this day in 1951, former Cubs first baseman and future TV star of the show of the series The Rifleman, Chuck Connors, is first player to oppose the major league draft. Hmm. On this day in 1959. Uh, Ben-Hur, directed by William Wyler and starring Charlton Heston, premieres in New York City. It wins the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1960. And also on this day in 1980, the movie Heaven's Gate film was directed by Michael Cimino, stars Chris Christopherson and Christopher Walken, premieres as one of the biggest box office bombs ever. Uh, we have, of course, some birthdays, some deaths, and some weddings here. We'll start off with one birthday today. We wish Lightning McQueen himself, Owen Wilson, a happy 52nd birthday here today. Also, some passings here, of course, here. <clears throat> uh, on this day, 1946, Donald Meek, who was a who was an actor of Scottish and American uh, descent, who was in the movie you can't movies you can't take it with you in Stagecoach, passes away at the age of 86. On this day, in 1959, author Q author O'Brien who was a voice actor, comedian, and radio personality who did Beulah and the Devil Bat, sadly dies from a heart attack at the age of 60. On this day, 1977, Victor Franken, who was an actor from uh, Belgium, who was in Jalacus and also San Antonio, sadly dies at the age of 89. And on this day, in 1982, actor Donald Dillaway, who is in Men and Bill and Platinum Blonde, sadly passes away at the age of 78. And we have, of course, several weddings to talk about here, ladies and gentlemen. On this day, 1966, baseball player Hank Greenberg, who was 55 at the time, marries actress Mary Jo Tarola. On this date, in, on this date in, two um, actually took place on this date in 2000. Number one, Queen guitarist Brian May, who was 53, weds uh, Anita, Anita Dobson from the show EastEnders, who was, who was 51 at the time, in a civil ceremony at Richmond Register Office. Also, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who was 31 at the time, 
weds actor Michael Douglas, who was 56 at the time, at the Plaza Hotel in New York City. And also on this date in 2006, Tom Cruise, who was 44 at the time, weds actress Katie Holmes, who was 27 at the time, at, uh, let's see, oh, at a, I'm sorry, I cannot, I cannot pronounce the name, but it's in Bracano, Italy. So, so there you, so like this, some, some, uh, weddings, of course, to, uh, talk about there here today. On this day here in music for, of course, for November 18th, let's bring that here too. The, on this day in 1911, the opera Lobbyance has its first American performance. On this day in 1919, H. Tierney and Jane McCarthy's musical Irene premieres in New York City. On this day in 1945, Arnold Schoenberg's Prelude for Orchestra and Mixed Choir premieres. On this, two events took place in 1961. Number one, Gay Life opens at Schubert Theater in New York City with 113 performances. And Quamina closes at 54th Street Theater in New York City after only 32 performances. <clears throat> on Sunday, 1974, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway by, by the band Genesis is released. Their last to feature uh, uh, front, original frontman uh, Peter Gabriel, before he went out on his own, yes. On Sunday, 1975, Rufus features, featuring Shaka Khan, for studio album by Rufus is released. It won Billboard Music Billboard Album of the Year in 1976. And on this day in 1984, Three Musketeers closes at Broadway Theater in New York City after only nine performances. On on, on this on of course on this on this uh, we have two two folks here who have a celebrated birthday in the world of music here today. Let's see. Give me just a second here. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Yes. Today would have been the 160th birthday of Ignacy Jan Paderewski. <clears throat> he sadly he passed away in 1941. And also, ladies and gentlemen, let's see here. Today would have been the Would have been the 111th birthday of Johnny Mercer. He passed away in 1976. Some other passings in the world of music on the state 1678. Giovanni Maria Bonacini, a composer, sadly passes away at the age of 36. On the state 1771, Giuseppe Di Maio, a composer and organist from Italy, passes away at the age of 73. On this day in 1822, Anton Tabor, a composer from Austria, passes away at the age of 66. On this day, and on this day in 1841, George Christoph Gossam, a composer from Germany, sadly passes away at the age of 77. <clears throat> a couple other, we did tell you about the, of course, the wedding of Brian May from Queen in 2000. But we have, of course, two more here, of course, that happened long before the for that one here. On the day 1952, Bill Haley, who did, of course, the song Rock Around the Clock, who was 27 at the time, marries his second wife, Barbara Kupchik. And also on the day 1962, Barry White, who was 18 at the time, weds his childhood sweetheart, Betty Smith. 
And also now we go into the world of sports here, folks. Let's see here. We have we have a few pieces of sports news here for you. Uh, 1905, the 10th Iron Bowl, uh, Alabama beats Auburn 30-0 in Birmingham. On his day in 1949, National League batting leader, .342, Jackie Robinson wins the National League MVP. We told you about, of course, Chuck Connors on his day in 1951, was a first baseman for the Cubs, is the first player to oppose the Major League Draft. On his day in 1960, Charlie Finley makes a bid to purchase the expansion LA Los Angeles Angels. On his day in 1964, Baltimore Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson wins the American League MVP. On his date in 1966, Sandy Koufax announces his retirement due to an arthritic left elbow. And two moments took place in 1970. Joe Frazier knockouts Bob Foster in two for the heavyweight boxing title. And also, Johnny Bench wins the National League MVP. Of course, and we have, of course, some birthdays here to talk about here. Uh, on his date in, uh, eight, in 1881, Percy Lesur, a hockey player and inventor from Canada, who invented the large goalie glove. He was born in Quebec City, Quebec. He passed away in 1962. Uh, Craig Wood was born on this date in 1901. He is a golfer who played in the Masters and also U.S. Open in 1941. He was born in Lake Placid, New York. He sadly died in 1968. On this date in, <clears throat> in 1915, Ken Burkhart, who was, a, who was a player for the St. Louis Cardinals and also an umpire, he was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. He passes away in, the, in 2004. And also, of course, and also on this date in 1922, Marjorie Gestring, um, who was a springboard diver, who won the Olympic gold for America in 1936. Um, she passed away. Uh, let's see here. Um, she, she, she might've been close to, or possibly at right at 70 years old when she passed away. She, but she died in 1992, but she was born in 1922 on this day. Uh, one, one passing here. Um, I believe he was either, I don't know if he was a coach or if he was a, uh, um, if he was a, a coach or if he was a play, uh, announcer or what, I'm not sure. But Jonah Lemu um, <clears throat> sadly passed away on this day. Um, sadly passed away on, on this day here. I believe he was around 45, close to 45 years old when he passed away. Also, we, we, um, we talked about 1966, Hank Greenberg, who was 55 at the time, wed actress Mary Jo Tarola. Also on the state in 2010, cricketer Glenn McGrath, who was 40 at the time, weds interior designer Sarah Leonardi in Cronulla, New South Wales. So there you have it with your pop culture, history, and birthdays here for, of course, <clears throat> for today, November the 18th. Let's get you, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, uh, the plug here. It is 6.54 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 200. Episode, I do believe I did say 220. Yes, 228 of WWS Outside the Ropes. This is Wednesday, November 18, 2020. 
Mr. WWS, Chad Henshaw on the line here with you. Of course, the rest of the panel with you, tap the handle. Of course, I'm sure right now at this time is, of course, checking out, of course, what's going on with both AEW and NXT. And we will be definitely, we will definitely be bringing you, of course, some, uh, some, uh, some, hopefully some of the results from both NXT and AEW tonight on episode, <clears throat> on episode, of course, 913 of Revolution, of course, in addition to our news and views and history and birthdays. Uh, we will also, of course, have you an update here on the NXT US Halloween Havoc Championship Tournament Finals. Of course, as you know, Jordan Stuffless and the human suplex machine, John Gross, of course, are are bidding to, to our, our, of course, like I said, are up, of course, to, to be the first man to hold that championship belt. So we, of course, we'll, keep, we'll continue to let you know about that. Also, of course, we'll give you an update about the Money Inc. Championship rematch between the King Club's Mint Patel, as well as the Loose Cannon Shaquille Cole Cephas. And also, ladies and gentlemen, the number, the uh, of course, who would be the first number one contender for the Halloween Havoc title. We'll keep you informed as to, of course, who that will be uh, as we'll give you an update on who that will be right right there. Because, as you know, of course, that will be still the voting is still in progress for all three of those. And we, they will all be decided, of course, on on um, on Friday's edition of Revolution. So be sure to listen in on that here coming up here, of course, <clears throat> coming up here, of course, um, in about two hours. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we have here in our. Let's see if we have any wrestling news to, of course, officially bring you here. As we a lot of this will probably will definitely be um, will definitely be repeated here. I'm sure on Revolution, of course, here uh, will definitely be talked about here, of course, on uh, Revolution here coming up here a, a little bit later on. Uh, let's see what we have right here. Um, We'll give you, of course, five stories to get your whistle here. Of course, we'll bring you the rest, of course, coming up uh, later on. Later on, like we said, on Revolution, Joseph Lee has this story right here. And we have some Impact Wrestling news. As the, as the group known as the Rascals say goodbye to Impact Wrestling. Also, highlights from last night's edition of Impact. And also, the Turning Point pay-per-view is now available for free. Last night's episode of Impact Wrestling was the final night for the Rascals, who was Trey Miguel, Desmond Xavier, and Zachary Wentz, who all said their goodbyes on social media. It's believed the three are headed to WWE. Impact, of course, um, said on their Twitter account, hashtag thank you, Rascals. Zachary Wentz says, much love. Uh, Desmond Xavier said, had, of course, just had a couple of... Uh, Emojis right there. Um, and then, of course, Trey Miguel said on his Twitter ha handle, thank you, everyone. And with, of course, have also has the prayer, the praying hands and also a very uh, sad face here as well. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to check out, of course, uh, uh, if you want to, of course, check out some video highlights from last time's episode of Impact, you can, of course, you can, you can, of course, uh, 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 check it out there. Check it out here as well. Uh, <clears throat> also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, on here as, as well, um, the um, I believe this is also available on YouTube here 
as Impact Plus has posted the 2020 uh, Turning Point uh, pay-per-view. Of course, it is. Of course, it will be free. So we will definitely work on. We will definitely, of course, be working on that. Of course, getting that on both of our Impact US pages here coming up here a little bit later. So that way, our so that way our folks here can definitely check that out. Jeremy Thomas has this story as apparently is a rumor flying around that the Thunderdome may be moving to a new Florida location. Let's let's let's, let's of course talk to you. Let's, let's go ahead and bring this to you. WWE may have found the new location for the Thunderdome. If a new report is to be believed, e-wrestling news reports that they've learned that the Thunderdome concept is said to move elsewhere in Florida to possibly Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. The rumor moved to Tropicana Field comes just over a month after it was reported that WWE signed a short-term extension with the Amway Center that is keeping the concept there through November. However, with the NBA season set to begin on December 22nd, the Orlando Magic need the center to practice at and host games unless distinct possibility of another bubble season happens. Minor league hockey games also take place at the Amway Center, and the Thunderdome needs somewhere to be left left up <clears throat> uh, due to the time and cost involved in, involved in setting it up and taking it down. WWE has not yet confirmed a new location at this time. Of course, it must be said of that, obviously. <clears throat> of course, I'm sure if you saw Monday Night Raw this past, uh, uh, if you if you saw Monday Night Raw this past Monday, you might have saw Drew McIntyre coming out to the ring holding a sword. Uh, Jeremy Thomas says this story came out yesterday. As apparently the sword uh, that he carried out there to the ring on Raw, actually believe it or not, belonged to Vince McMahon. If by chance you wonder where WWE got the sword for Drew McIntyre's entrance for his championship match on Raw, well, obviously it was Vince McMahon's, and of course we're really talking about this. Speaking with Ryan Satin for Fox, McIntyre revealed that the sword for his entrance was actually McMahon's, which he got as a gift from Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. We had a conversation about it, and once the boss gets something in his head, McIntyre said, I was thinking about walking out with the kilt. Obviously, he likes to take it in a, a little bit further. And suddenly, we had the sword, and we didn't have the pyro. And he was very hands-on with this. And, and yeah, I guess I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag. The sword I had is actually Vince's sword that was gifted to him by Stephanie and Hunter. I did not know, but I believe the conversation went, we need a sword. We don't have a sword, sir. And Vince goes, I have a sword. He continued, and I heard that story and told him, of course, you have a sword. McIntyre detailed where Vince got the sword as well as saying, I believe Hunter and Stephanie were in Scotland, and they got from a, legit, a legitimate sword manufacturer. I I don't know. I'm from Scotland. I've seen the sword store. It went out of their way to get a legitimate Scottish Claymore as a gift. And so I was walking by the ring with the big sword, and Hunter was like, didn't I get that for Vince? Yes, you did. And, of course, uh, WB on Fox posted this on their Twitter handle yesterday with this, saying, where did at D McIntyre WWE get a sword for its entrance on hashtag WWE Raw? The answer would probably not surprise you. At Ryan Satin's interview with the new at WWE champion drops, of course, this Thursday at 7-4 Central on, our so on, of course, our social media platform. So, so apparently, ladies and gentlemen, Drew McIntyre, Borrowed the sword from Vince McMahon. So obviously, of course, I don't think we were all 
too surprised about that. Uh, Blake, Blake Lavelle posted a story yesterday as apparently Becky Lynch shares a new pregnancy photo shoot along with Seth Rollins. Becky Lynch took to social media several weeks ago to share a new baby bump photo, and she's now added more to the collection with a recent photo shoot alongside Seth Rollins. Lynch revealed the new photos on Instagram, of course, via Fightful, with her and Rollins posing in various photos during the shoot. She added the caption, coming soon, as she gets closer to her due date in December. Lynch last appeared on WBTV on May 11th, where she announced her pregnancy on Raw before handing over the Raw Women's title to Asuka. Meanwhile, Rollins reportedly set to take time off from WWE in the next week or two as a couple prepared for their first child together. Picture's looking good. So, said coming soon, of course, at WB Rollins, at King Troy, at DRO, at Brian Valentine. So, so check out, so if you got Instagram, check out the Becky Lynch's uh, photo right there. It's, it photo looks good. So, glad to see that she's doing well and there are no complications, and hopefully the pregnancy does go along very, very well indeed. And one last story, of course, we'll, one, one other story we'll bring you right here, folks. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Harris posted this story yesterday as Mike Bennett apparently slams WWE and Vince McMahon for greed and running company on fear. Former WWE superstar Mike Bennett, of course, formerly known as Mike Kanellis, was outspoken in his criticism of WWE this week in light of the recent controversy stemming from the recent release of Zelina Vega, of course, she's otherwise known as Tina Thea Trinidad, along with more talk of wrestler unionization. Besides former presidential candidate, candidate Andrew Yang, Vegas outward support for wrestler unionization gave the intention of, SA, of SAG after President Gabrielle Corteris, who also ex- expressed her and the union support for wrestlers. Bennett posted a series of tweets yesterday commenting on the movement Calls for wrestler unionization and changes to the WWE's business practices. The recent talk was sparked after WWE instituted a ban on talents using third-party platforms such as Twitch and Cameo. It was a move that has been highly controversial and criticized as WWE talents are classified as independent contractors and WWE preventing wrestlers from making supplemental income from streaming on platforms like Twitch is arguably an overreach of what WWE can control for their contracted talent. Bennett detailed a number of criticisms against WWE, even quote another tweet by post-wrestling's John Pollock. It noted a passage from Bret Hart's own autobiography detailing how wrestlers in the past feared for losing their jobs when Bret Hart tried to encourage others on speaking up about the grueling work and travel schedule. Bennett stated on this, the entire company is run on fear. At one point, a Twitter user said to Bennett, the same, that same guy makes a fortune off your broken back, also uses his fortune to pay for your rehab. Bennett responded, I'm fighting for my friends and family. You're fighting for a greedy billionaire who let his wrestlers get held hostage in Saudi Arabia. One of us is on the right side of history. Bennett added later that his current issues with WWE are with Chairman Vince McMahon. My issues are not with wrestling fans or WWE fans. My issues are with at Vince McMahon. It's time he's held accountable. Later on, another user tweeted, Mike, I understand your frustrations, but people are losing jobs left and right because of the virus who weren't making a six, who weren't making six digits a year. Hard to sympathize for upper-class people. Bennett tweeted in reply, this is such a bigger issue than just WWE. Billionaires have, have, have made huge profits during this pandemic. 
while millions of are unemployed. WWE didn't have to fire a single person, but they did. In the middle of the biggest health crisis of our time, all because of greed. Mike Bennett was released from WWE earlier this April as a part of the pandemic-related cuts. This was after he had publicly asked for WWE to release him last year. WWE denied his request for release at the, at the time, only opting to do it after the pandemic started and the company instituted talent cuts. Of course, you can of course view you can of course view uh, the tweets that Bennett had from of course I believe from Monday. Of course, apparently there was a lot of fans here. Um, there's a lot of people here, of course, obviously. Uh, there was a lot of people, of course, on there saying, you know, how much, uh, you know, kind of really kind of agreeing with, uh, or, of course, like this is starting to become a really, really uh, struck down and divided here a little bit here and there. But, but what, like I said, we don't know how much more we can. Uh, but we, <clears throat> but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to definitely have to keep our eyes open on this. And of course, like I say, if you're getting some big wigs involved here, of course, in this thing about trying to get WWE to change certain things, obviously, I don't know if Vincent Mann's going to try. Vincent Mann's going to try to, as always, I'm sure, try to weasel his way out of certain things. Uh, there's two. <clears throat> There's two or three here story uh, stories of interest here. I'd like to go ahead and read. Uh, Jeremy Thomas posted this story today as PJ Black was injured after a fall down a set of stairs. PJ Black suffered a leg injury after he took a tumble down the stairs on, on, over the weekend. Black posted his Instagram noting that he fell down the stairs during the full moon and ended up with a hole in his ankle. Black proceeded to note his history of injuries that have piled up over the last five years now he's rethinking life and death due to a lot of reading about past lives. He said this, I fell down some stairs with a, of course, in the middle of a full moon. Injuries suck, but they are necessary. Apparently, up until five years ago, I've never, been, never broken a bone or had surgery. Never, ever been stunned by a bee. Fast forward to today, broken both legs multiple times, 33 screws and a few plates, titanium and steel, two different continents in my legs and ring finger. A few near-death experiences later here, I am rethinking life and death. Not because I got hurt, the avatar will heal, because death is an illusion. I've been able to experience many of my past lives even in Atlantis. This is surreal to me since I was raised Christian and we were taught that reincarnation isn't real. I've since read copious amounts of books on this subject, if any, has any good ones or need or need wrecks, just ask. And if all those lives were hallucinations, then so is this one. Last five years have been the worst year, years of my life. At the same time, the best thing to ever ever happen to me. Hashtag growth. Also, F2020. Black was last on TV working a match on last Friday's New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, where he lost to Tama Tonga. Of course, on behalf of 411 Mini and also here in the radio network, our best wishes to Black for a quick and full recovery. So we hope, of course, to see him back here, of course, here uh, very, very soon here indeed. Okay, let's see here. Uh, now, this is one that's very, very unique here. We'll definitely read a little bit more about this, of course, on Revolution here tonight. But Jeremy Thomas posted this story here today as an episode of the show Pawn Stars features a fake 
Kamala action figure. Someone tried to get an Espa on, on a Kamala action figure on last on last night's edition of Paul Stars, only to learn that it was a fake. Of course, you can see the segment on this page right here, which a man named Eric visited the show's world-famous gold and silver pawn shop in Las Vegas, saying that the, he bought the figure at an estate sale was looking to get $7,500 for it. Not that ridiculous a price when you see why. As the segment explained who Kamala was, an employee Chumley talked about how he passed away and talked about his career. They brought in Steve Johnston of Rogue Toys as an expert. We talked about how the Hasbro line originally produced about 24 for lawyers to sign off on. That features his moon on his belly. The actual production ver version had a star, which is speculated to be because Kamala did sign off on the figure, and thus they were able to get around his, his approval. Uh, the theories are that, that the star was a simple production mistake, or that some issue with the production of the moon version led to them going with the star. Johnston said that while pre-release Kamala with the moon would be a top two or three holy grail for collectors, for example, there's, all, there's one on eBay going on right now for $21,000. He confirmed that while the figure would be a top, ten, top item for wrestling collectors, it was determined to be a fake by virtue of the sticker residue on what appeared to be some painting over the work. So apparently, ladies and gentlemen, uh, apparently, ladies and gentlemen, so apparently someone tried to get some money for it and obviously was not going to get anything off of it because it was deemed, like I said, a fake. One other story that, of course, obviously, that's been, that talk, we talked about here, Jeremy Thomas here, uh, <clears throat> as we hear from Lisa Marie Verone, who, of course, we remember her as Victoria in WWE and also also known as Tara and of course in Impact Wrestling. She discussed her failed talks with WWE on becoming a coach and also if she has any interest at all in AEW. The Wrestling Inc. Daily recent interviewed former WWE superstar Lisa Marie Verone, of course also known as Victoria, who discussed how she previously had talks about becoming a coach in WWE and ultimately fell through. Here are some highlights. On her talks with WWE becoming a coach, she says, I talked to them a long time ago when I got divorced and I moved back to California. So I was with, living with my brother Mike and I was living out of the boxes. I didn't want to unpack because they contacted me by possibly bringing me in as a trainer. And then I was calling, hello, guys, I'm living out of a suitcase. I have one suitcase here at my brother's house. So I get an apartment. I can't invade my brother's family's home. Even though they have open, they, they have open arms, you say as long as you want, but I'm an adult. I need my own place. I need to set out myself and do I unpack. I finally called Pet Finley. He goes, they already hired somebody for the training spot. They went with Sarah Stock, which is a great choice. I love her. She's going to be a future guest on our show. But I just wished I got a call back to say, hey, we're going to go with somebody else. You can go ahead. And then as soon as I got the call, I was moving in with Tori Wilson in L.A. I was on hold. I was like, okay, it's been three months at my brother's house. My brother's like, have you heard back? And I go, I called, but you don't, but you don't be a nag. But at the same time, you're like, I need to move on. I need to know what my next chapter in my life is. Do I go out to L.A.? Do I stay in my brother's house? Do I? But, but I didn't get the spot. My feelings weren't hurt because I didn't get the spot. My feelings were hurt with, well, I didn't even get a call back to say move on. That's when I got the boo-hoo face. She had mentioned only if she's jealous, she wasn't able to do things in her WWE run that women are able to do now. She says, I'm not jealous or anything. I'm just so proud because Trish Lee and I, we had a cage match. Got a hardcore match, street fight, and got to do unusual matches ourselves. 
because of Fit Finley. But to see it now, you're like, finally see these girls can work, man, and they draw viewers too. It's not just the men. We're not just the icing on the cake. In my generation, we're going, oh, do you want a bra and panties match? Let's do a really hard cutoff spot where they just where they just start chanting holy. Even though we were in bra and panties, they're still going to have the, we're still the best match ever. We didn't like the fluff. Oh, she'd be open to working with the younger talent AEW. She says, well, I'm open to it. I've always wanted to be a trainer for the new kids, being an agent or something like that. I have a lot to give back, I think. I learned a lot. I learned a lot, like going through a lot, going through a lot of mistakes in the business, what not to do on TV, that kind of stuff, and to think I have a lot of knowledge <clears throat> to share. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would have to open the discussion because traveling is. I don't know if I can do four days a week again and have a normal home life. That's a tough part. You're sacrificing a lot to go back. So of course, it it have to be financially viable. Something I would enjoy. I would have to see how the locker room is and see if I get along with everybody. I don't want to go to a miserable atmosphere. I still want to be in a positive atmosphere. <clears throat> Let's see if there's any other stories of notability right here, we, ladies and gentlemen, before we... <clears throat> oh, yes. Okay. And one more we'll bring it here before we, of course, we call it an evening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk more about this, of course, on the on uh, Revolution here tonight here. But I'm going to bring this up. Go ahead and bring this up now. Jeffrey Harris posted this story as FTR tops the first PWI tag team uh, top 50 rankings. Let's go ahead and bring this here to you. Pro Wrestling Illustrated announced today that former AEW World Tag Team Champions FTR of course, Cash Wheeler and Dax, Har Dax Harwood topped the first ever PWI Tag Team Top 50 rankings. They also made the cover of the magazine's 2021 PWI Tag Team Special Issue. Of course, here is the, the announcements on this page right here. PWI evaluated the teams from October 1st, 2019 through September 30th of this year. The teams were ranked based on various factors, including overall momentum, win record, chemistry, creativity, overall activity, and it factor. Earlier this year, AEW World Champion John Moxley topped the PWI 500 for 2020. FTR <clears throat> debuted in uh, debuted in AEW on May 27th earlier of this year. They defeated Kenny Omega and Adam Page to win the titles on September 5th at AEW All Out. Here are the teams that made the top five from PWI's tag team top 50 rankings. Number one, FTR. Number two, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Number three, the Golden Roll Models, Bailey and Sasha Banks, even though they're no longer together. Number four, the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. And number five, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, the current SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits. <clears throat> PWI posted on their Twitter account saying, Congratulations to at Dax FTR and at Cash Wheeler FTR for being ranked number one. In the inaugural PWI hashtag Tag Team 50. Pre-order your print copy of our Tag Team Special and featuring our hot seat interview with FTR and much more. And, of course, there was a link there if you want to check that out, of course, here as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll bring you some more of these stories, of course, coming up here on Revolution number 913 coming up here, of course, um, at the top, at, of course, at the top of the hour there, folks. On that note here, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for listening in here tonight to episode 228 of WCWS Outside the Ropes. 
<clears throat> and of course, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we will just a recap as to what will happen. We, of course, will on Revolution 913 tonight. We will, of course, bring you the latest wrestling news and views and also also uh, today's uh, wrestling and pop culture histories and birthdays. Plus, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get you, of course, updated as best we possibly can on the on any results here, of course, from both AEW, Dynamite, and NXT. And also, ladies and gentlemen, we'll definitely be bringing you some updates here about the um, about, of course, the finals of the NXT US Halloween Havoc Championship Tournament between Jordan Stuffless and the Human Suplex Machine John Gross. Plus, also, ladies and gentlemen, who will be the first number one contender for the title? <clears throat> we have a poll going on for that, and also, of course, the rematch for the WCW US Money Inc. Championship going on there as well. Shaq, of course, is defending the belt against the former champion, the Kian Clubs, Mint Patel. So hopefully we'll be able to bring you some more. Uh, we'll bring you some more, of course, uh, updates about that here coming up here a little bit later in the evening. And also, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll of course, continue to talk about a little bit more in-depth about, about uh, Survivor Series, of course, coming up here this weekend. Also, just to give you a heads up that we have posted, speaking of Survivor Series, I will go ahead and let you know, now, on the pay-per-view prediction center page, we have posted, of course, all the matches that are, of course, lined up for this Sunday's event. And and also, of course, here, uh, like I said, if you wish to please, if you wish to take part, please feel free to do so. As I will, of course, uh, of course, hopefully by at least, like we said, by Friday's edition of Revolution, we'll be able to get let you know about what is going to be the is going to be, of course, the ultimate prize here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <clears throat> and who is going to uh, and who's going who, who, who's going who's, what's going to be awarded? Of course, for uh, as far as of course, of course, who succeeds in the prediction title challenge for Survivor Series this weekend? So we'll keep you informed about all that here. Of course, coming up here in the next couple of days. But be sure to join us, like I said, for nine thirteen a revolution coming up here in about uh, a little more than an hour and a half from now. One three eight zero five five pounds. Outside the Ropes 228 is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here, of course, on TalkShoot.com. But we are, of course, five years older, continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your pop culture connection. Be sure to check out all of our pages, of course, here in WCWS, including, of course, everything from the Entertainment Cavalcade, Sports Roundup, Game Show Alley, Location of Animation, the WWS movie channel, of course, our tribute groups to Whose Line Is It Anyway, Don Rickles and Johnny Carson. Also, of course, our wrestling tribute groups, uh, everything from ECWUS, OVWUS, NWAUS, AEWS, and so on. Also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the video vault where we have a lot of other classic uh, wrestling uh, matches and moments as well. Of course, a lot of them here just recently pertaining to Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and also, of course, matches, different matches from different Survivor Series over the years. Uh, also, women of WCWS, uh, <clears throat> where, of course, we have, for our female wrestling fans, we have a lot of, we have a lot of terrific ladies matches, of course, from WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact, and so on and so forth. And also, <clears throat> let's see here, also, of course, uh, Motor Week Retro Review, Cards of the Past, Power Rangers protecting the power. 
uh, also a gaseous affair. I mean, we have a lot of great, we have a lot of great uh, groups there. Of course, also the pay-per-view prediction center page, as well as of course, uh, some of our original groups like uh, uh, universe legacy uh, dynasty nitro thunder. Also true, um, even true pioneers of wrestling fan empire. We have so many pages here folks. So be sure to check out all of our pages, of course, under the WWS umbrella here today. Anything you see there you wish to comment on or wish to add, please feel free to let us know. And we'll definitely, of course, uh, check it out here for you. And we'll, and I hope, of course, we hear from you hopefully here very, very soon. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, since 2015, your source for everything in the world of pro wrestling, pop culture, and everything in between. This is, of course, WCW US Radio Network. Mr. W- Mr. WCW US, Chad Hinshaw here, of course, uh, signing off for now. We'll be back, of course, a little bit after 9 o'clock for episode 913 of Revolution. Take care, ladies and gentlemen, and of course, God bless. Take care and God bless, folks. This is the WCWS Radio Network.